I was in Port-au-Prince and driving to her village, and they put her in my arms, and she was two and a half years old and 19 pounds, teeny tiny, really, really sick. I will hold you when you're breaking like a father and a friend, and I will carry you through darkness till we see the sun again. You're going to hear the story of that little girl and the woman who adopted her. On this episode of GPS, God, People, Stories, I'm Jim Kirkland. And I'm Phil Fleischman. The woman who adopted that tiny little two-year-old girl is Lisa Harper. You might recognize her name. She's a well-known Christian speaker. She lives in Nashville, but she recently stopped by our studios. And our colleague, Carol Davis, spent some time talking with her. And Carol, you and Lisa covered some serious ground in your conversation. But as we're all going to hear at times, you also had some laughs, too. Absolutely. Lisa's just real. She's down to earth. She tells her story. She's open about her struggles. She didn't try to portray a perfect life. And um, she was also very passionate about her relationship with God and how that had seen her through even the most difficult days. GPS. God. People. Stories. Lisa Harper is a Bible teacher, a sought-after speaker, a best-selling author, and a comedian. At this point, you may be asking yourself, what does she do with all that spare time? Well, she's also a single mom. I'll never forget it. Went to a women's conference and they started talking about adoption. And I had committed with my best friend when I was 17 years old in a Bible study. And the theme was uh, adoption throughout Scripture, how there's this theme in, in the gospel of us being adopted by God. We had committed as 17-year-old kids, you know, just wet behind the ears, you know, more enthusiasm than depth. Mm-hmm. But we committed that we would both adopt. We got older, and Cindy went on to adopt. She and her husband struggled with an infertility. They adopted. Well, I never married. So I thought, well, that's just, that was kind of a, maybe a kid's pipe dream. But because of what she heard at that women's conference, she began to think that maybe the idea of adopting a child was more than just a pipe dream. She was in her 40s at the time. Obviously, best case scenario, the biblical template is to have a mama and a daddy, But there's 147 million orphans in the world, and many of them in third world countries will die of very preventable things like malaria um, if they're not adopted by somebody in a first world country. And I thought, well, for those kids, when the option is either death or to be adopted by a fluffy single mom in Nashville, Tennessee, I thought maybe, maybe um, God would allow that. So I just kind of slowly started the process of letting some adoption agencies know if you've got a kid who doesn't have a shot and a mama and a daddy, I'd love that child. From that point, there were a lot of ups and downs over the next couple of years. And then some friends from Haiti called and they said, we've got a little girl whose mama died of AIDS and she has HIV and she's very, very sick. She has cholera, she has tuberculosis. And the doctors have told us she only has two to three months to live unless really anybody steps in the gap for her. And I, they said, would you pray about it? And I said, nope. I said, I've been praying about this for 30 years. Sign me up. And um, then I got off the phone and was like, what have I done? <laughs> Good night. I'm not sure I know how to do this. Uh, but of course, the sweetest thing about God's will is, you know, it's one step at a time. You just follow where he leads. So six weeks later, Lisa was in Port-au-Prince, meeting the girl who would eventually become her daughter. And they put her in my arms, and she was two and a half years old and 19 pounds, teeny tiny, really, really sick. 
But she looked up at me. She didn't like me at all at first. She thought I was just this big, pale, you know, scary-looking woman. But she looked up at me kind of suspiciously, and then she wrapped this surprisingly strong little hand around my pinky finger, and she said, Hello, Mama Blanc. That's hello, white mama. <laughs> and I was like, stick a fork in me. I'm done. It would be two more years, though, before Lisa could bring her daughter home. It's just been um, an unbelievably tangible um, example of God's kindness. She is, her HIV is undetectable. Her her lungs are healthy as can be, no sign of tuberculosis. And she is just, she's a trip. She is, other than my salvation, she is the sweetest gift in my life. Definitely gives me a run for my money, Carol. Yeah. That's what they're for. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. That's right. I'm like, she's either going to keep me young or put me in the grave. I'm flat worn out half the time. Lisa describes the two years that it took for the adoption process to be finalized as rough. You know, I think anytime we have to wait, I just don't think it's in the human DNA. We tend to be stinkers and prideful and and not patient. And it was a long wait. I think what was especially hard is she was sick that whole time. And, you know, I'm in Tennessee. I went to Haiti relatively often. I went down there five or six times during the process. But still, you, you your hands are kind of tied. So I did everything I could to make sure she was, you know, getting proper nutrition and hopefully getting medication for the HIV, but you you just have no control. So a lot of it is, Lord, I'm just going to I'm just going to trust you. I'm going to trust that you are are leading her and you are her rear guard even though she's this precious little Haitian orphan and 4 years old. I'm going to trust you have protected my kid, but um, yeah, it was. Uh, there were times that the you know weeks would seem to stretch into years. It just was a long, long time. And then when I would go visit her and have to leave her there, and come home, and she would cry and say, "No, Mama, no." I mean, I felt like I left big chunks of my heart in Haiti or on the tarmac in Miami. Those goodbyes and separations are only memories now. Lisa was able to bring Missy home in April of 2014. And while the wait seemed forever when she was in it, looking back, Lisa says those chapters of their life have now kind of become compressed. For those women who are still waiting for an adoption to come through, and for those who are pretty sure that door is closed, Lisa has some advice, actually some advice and some humor. Missy is such a gift, but I brought her home, you know, the year I turned 50. I didn't plan on going through menopause and motherhood at the same time. That was just a little double portion of God's blessing. But, you know, it was a long, long time. And for a lot of my friends, their paths have not included motherhood. And there is, some didn't feel called to it, and some, there is an ache that will not be filled until glory. And that's where I just encourage them, you know what, don't don't try to numb your pain or run from your pain. I made a very intentional choice when I was in my 40s. I would rather my heart be hurt than hard. And so I'm going to press into my friends who have children because let me tell you, every mama around you is always looking for a break. And I'm going to say, hey, when when you'd like somebody to take your kids to McDonald's, or you want to go get a massage and you want somebody to stay home with your kids, I'd love to be an aunt. Because I thought, Lord, I, I don't know if I'll ever get to be a mom, but I really want to be tenderhearted around children. And I want to have a mother's heart. 
And her work in women's ministry has given Lisa a lot of opportunities to do just that, to offer a mother's heart. Now that I am as old as I am, I still get to be with a lot of young women in their, you know, teens and 20s. So so age-wise, I could be their mama. And I started just developing this real mother's heart toward kids in high school and college. And of course, I didn't share a whole lot of stuff with my mom when I was a teenager in my 20s. It took me until about 35 for me to realize she was brilliant and everything she ever said to me was true. But, you know, sometimes you can hear a mother figure's voice and counsel and wisdom more than you can even your own biological or adopted mama. And so I thought I am just going to be the mom God wanted me to be even if I don't have my own son or daughter. And and that started turning things around for me. I just, for years, I tried to numb my heart and guard my heart, not in a biblical way, but protect my heart instead of trusting that God would protect my heart. And sometimes when He protects our hearts, it includes pain. That's what keeps our hearts tender. And so I would encourage Him, press into life around you, press into the kids around you. If you happen to be in a time of waiting on God for something right now, Lisa says it's important to rest in this knowledge the knowledge that he understands and cares. And I would just say, lean into his affection. His his plans for us really are perfect. They never match my calendar, but they are perfect. And, and he is not uh, oblivious to our angst. And I think sometimes we see him as such a big guy that we think, oh, well, surely he's so busy with the refugees. He doesn't see that right now I ache. And that's not true. Scripture depicts him as collecting our tears and as hearing, inclining his ear to listen to us. So I think even if your prayer today is, I'm really, really sad and I'm really, really tired, he hears that prayer and he cares about it. So I would just say, lean into the Lord. Don't don't try to see around the corner. Just lean into his affection. His, His grace will sustain you and his providence never takes us to a place where His grace doesn't sustain us. And when you're at your weakest, oh, I've never been more strong. So let me be the one you're leaning on. You can't fully experience the grace of God that Lisa's talking about until you completely trust your life to Him. And the only way that can happen is through a relationship with Jesus Christ. You can begin that relationship right now. Go to BillyGrahamRadio.org and click on Grow Your Faith to learn more. That's BillyGrahamRadio.org. Now stay with us just a minute here. Lisa's going to share another sweet memory of her and Missy. This one bonding over some crazy videos. You're listening to GPS, God, People, Stories, a podcast production of the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. Now, the gospel of Christ has no meaning unless it is applied to our fellow man who hurts and is in need. Billy Graham. And Jesus said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and soul and strength and mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. Our neighbors are people of a different race or a different cultural background, and we're to love them. When is the last time that you shared your life with another person? or someone of another race. Jesus believed in the worth of the individual. And Jesus spent most of his time with individuals, not just great crowds. The Bible teaches that God loves you as an individual. And greater love hath no man than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. And the Lord Jesus Christ died on the cross. And while he was on the cross, 
He was thinking about you because he was God. He could look down the centuries and call you by name on that cross and say, I love you. I will forgive you if you will come to me. And now back to the hosts of GPS, Phil Fleischman and Jim Kirkland. Chaplains from the Billy Graham Rapid Response Team were praying with people during the recent protests here in our home city of Charlotte, North Carolina. The protests followed the fatal shooting of a man by a police officer. Yeah, the chaplains talked and prayed with protesters, police officers, and even local politicians. We've got some video and some stories about the chaplain's ministry here in Charlotte at our website. Just go to BillyGrahamRadio.org and click on What We Do. That's BillyGrahamRadio.org. Our guest on this episode of GPS, Lisa Harper, is a popular speaker at the Billy Graham Training Center at The Cove. The Cove, as it's known, is a beautiful retreat center in the mountains of North Carolina. The last time Lisa was at The Cove, Missy was with her and got a little scared in the cabin one night because of how dark it got in the woods. Well, Lisa had an idea to calm her down. I said, well, how about we look at pictures? We started looking at pictures on my phone, and she wanted to go all the way back to Haiti. And we laughed so hard because I still had video from Haiti when she couldn't speak any English. And here I am bumbling around in the orphanage trying to make her laugh. You know, we're both music, even though I can't sing. That tended to to give us a, a common ground. And I have all these videos of us dancing and singing, you know, four years ago in Haiti. And we laughed in our cabin at the Cove. And I thought, what a great God. I can remember being on these grounds in North Carolina, you know, four years ago praying for Missy, and um, to see God's sovereignty is just unbelievable. Mm. We really appreciate Lisa sharing her heart and the story of Missy with us on this episode of GPS. If you would like to hear Lisa live and in person, the next opportunity at the Billy Graham Training Center at The Cove is coming next July. You can learn about it at thecove.org. And if Lisa's story has touched you, would you let the rest of us know? We would love, love, love to hear from you. Leave us a comment. I'm Jim Kirkland. Thank you so much for listening. And I'm Phil Fleischman. Yes, thank you indeed for listening. GPS, God People Stories. It's an outreach of the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. Always good news. Everything's not fine. And I'm not-